Welcome back to CodingCat.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Here is Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode brought to you by Storyblock. Build anything and publish everywhere. I won't do my echo today. <laughs> I think you called me out last time. Oh, well, I think it's been like the last few times. It'll just... <laughs> We'll talk about Storyblock. They're awesome sponsors. Uh, first, we'll talk about some web containers, though, with Eric. Eric, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you for having me. People uh, may know you from StackBlitz. Uh, I believe you're a CEO over there, correct? Yeah, I think I think so. Some, okay. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> So this is the portion of the show where Eric kind of breaks down all about how the heck he got started in web development and then ultimately started StackBlitz. So I got to hear your story. Like, did you go to college first? How did how did you break into web development? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I actually so I started StackBlitz um, with uh, a guy named Albert Pye. So Albert and I, Pye and I are, have actually been uh, best friends since we were kids, actually. So that's actually where kind of the story starts um, is back when we were uh, 12 or 13. Albert and I grew up down the street from each other wow. in a, a suburb of Chicago called Naperville. Anyone's ever heard of that? Um, it's about and, three hours uh, away for us. We've heard of it. Good place. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's it, yeah, it's grown a lot. I mean, there's, um, well, anyways, uh, you know, Naperville's uh, both, both kind of interesting and also boring. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, um, but yeah, so Albert and I grew up in, uh, in Naperville, grew up down the street from each other. And this is back in, uh, probably like mid two thousands. I want to say we, I, you know, we were very interested in like programming, but you know, back then there was not these online, you know, learning sites like code Academy or kind of, you know, these free things to get started and whatnot. It was really not a thing back then. And uh, the, the, the only way to do it was really like to, to buy the O'Reilly books or kind of the equivalent of these oh, things, yeah. right? And those are, those are expensive. I mean, those are like, a, you know, 100, 200 bucks a pop. Those Crazy. Like, at least they were back then. And I think they still are. And, uh, you know, we, we were like 12 or 13. So we did not have, you know, <laughs> a couple hundred bucks. Um, and, when, you know, with inflation, certainly not back then. Um, but uh, so what we ended up doing is we asked our parents uh, on our 12th or 13th birthday or whatever to buy us programming books instead of an Xbox, um, you know, basically. And so wow. Albert and I, the, wow. like, I think it was uh, PHP and MySQL. We like learned that. And then we just kind of from there, just we've been building web applications ever since. And uh, we built a whole bunch of things throughout uh, high school together and then uh, after high school, we actually came, I, well, I came straight out to Silicon Valley, actually. And then I, I convinced Albert to, to drop out of his first year of college and, and come out here with me. And, and we've been building different projects and, and companies kind of ever since. And so um, StackBlitz is kind of, and so there's, there's kind of a story of how we, how we actually came to build StackBlitz. I never thought we would, uh, you know, I never thought I'd be building like an IDE or dev environments or yeah. anything like that, honestly. Um, like we never really worked in dev tooling before this company, like we were just purely consumers of dev tooling to like build applications or whatever. Uh, and it, it was, it was like pretty interesting because this Stacklets it really actually solves the problem that Albert and I really first had when we were learning to code. Cause it's, you know, the hardest part is actually getting your dev environment set up. You yeah. can't even like start learning to code until, until you do that. And you kind of do these things where like with like code Academy, you can learn to program in the language, but like, once you need to take that and actually like apply that to like build something real, it's like that you, then you have to solve the dev environment problem again. And, and so a lot, most people drop off before they even uh, finish going down the path. And um, so anyway, so it's kind of cool. Like we're kind of solving this problem that Albert and I had, you know, we were 12, 13 years old and uh, you know, we've eliminated this hopefully to ever be a problem again, um, you know, for any, any uh, people learning to program on, on this planet. But um, yeah, so, so how Stackwoods, how we came up with the idea for the thing. This is the last bit and then I'll, you know, I've, I've been talking about it a lot. So no, you're um, fine. This, is a, this is a fun story for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, so Albert and I, uh, one of the, the company we did before this one, we completely bootstrapped it. Um, it's called Thinkster.io. And we were teaching, uh, it was, if you ever seen like Egghead.io or Pluralsight or Linda, it, it was that same sort of model where you could come to our site. We had a lot of free content. And so a lot of people were finding us. This is back in 2013, 2014. So like right as like uh, Angular 2 and like React were coming out. And so web development was changing in this, this new way uh, for the modern era that we're kind of still riding at this point. And uh, 
Uh, so we were like writing different blog posts on there and we had content that you could pay a subscription to access and that sort of thing. So at the peak of Thinkster, we probably had a couple hundred thousand people that were hitting the site every month and, and learning. And the, and the biggest problem they were running into was, uh, you know, they, they would be going through our React tutorial and they'd say, hey, React says it's out of file watchers on my computer. It's like, that's like not React at all. You know, like that has nothing to do with React. <laughs> their ability to, 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 to learn the content. And yeah. so, um, you, at the time we were like looking at CodePen and um, you know, these other fiddle things that you know were used a lot to teach the kind of Gen One of web development, and uh, at that point, none of them could really do. None of them could access npm. You, they couldn't compile or transpile things. There's no webpack loaders, um, and and so we were teaching the cutting edge of what you could do in a browser, right? And we had this moment where we just realized, oh God, actually browsers have gotten pretty powerful. Um, you know, it should be able to be possible to actually run your dev tools in a browser. Cause a lot of these, you know, like Webpack is written in JavaScript, right? It's targeting, you know, Node.js is the JavaScript runtime. Um, but theoretically it should be possible to like, run Webpack in a browser tab. Um, and, and that's kind of where, where Stackbits uh, spawned from. Cause it was just, no one had, we, we looked everywhere, no one had done it. And um, we're like, if you could do this, it'd be amazing. It'd be super fast cause it runs entirely on your computer. So it's like, it's like a local dev environment but it just mounts instantly in a browser tab. Effect. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and so, yeah, anyway, so we ended up taking that concept even further with web containers where it's, you act, we're actually running you know, JS in your browser tab. Um, and so it provides this awesome experience where you can, it's used for just, you know, a huge number of things like, uh, prototyping and like documentation and like learning. Um, but also for, uh, things that are now even heavier weight, we have a, a thing called CodeFlow we released back in, uh, October at VConf. And it basically allows you to do your entire development cycle in a browser tab now instantly for like creating and reviewing the boss. Um, so, so that's kind of the, the, in a nutshell, kind of what, what we've been up to, how we got here, et cetera. That's really amazing. I, I think um, right around that time, Thinkster was acquired. I, I, I think it was Joe Eames, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's my first kind of dive into StackBlitz. And I think at that point or before then, Angular 2, like the entire uh, documentation was able to start running out of, um, Stackblitz at that point. So that was that was my first knowledge and kind of foray into Stackblitz. And I found it to be an amazing product because you could just spin up anything. And it was, it was actually at that time, as slow as my computer was, it was faster loading on that side um, than it was locally. I don't know yeah. how, but it, it was freaking amazing at that point. So it's a really cool story. Totally. Yeah. And that's and that's kind of been for the, the philosophy of, of like, uh, the technical philosophy at least is like, you know, there's been a lot of hype about online IDEs over the past decade, decade and a half. And like, they just haven't taken off. And our, our viewpoint on it is that, you know, typically in just about every way, online IDEs have tended to be worse than your own local environment. They yeah. are slower. Typically you actually have, you know, more CPU power on your local machine than whatever you're renting by the minute. Of course, mm-hmm. and you're renting this thing by the minute when, when you actually have hardware in front of you, right. you run it on. And uh, for things like web development, you're constantly hitting the refresh button to see your application. And so if you're having to do a round trip to a, a, some cloud VM, that's obviously is not going to have caching because you don't want caching because it's a development cycle. <laughs> you're, you're, you're slinging, you know, megabytes of uncompressed, uh, you know, payloads of your dev server over the wire. And so just kind of in every way, just it's, it's worse than your own local machine. And so for us, it's like, that's actually the bar that we set is like, we actually don't, we, at a minimum, we want to be as fast as your local machine to install and boot and et cetera. But we actually, we actually aim to be uh, multiples faster, um, especially for like booting and installing dependencies. Cause there's a lot of things you can do um, that really move the needle. And so like, generally speaking, like the installs on Stackbits uh, will run anywhere from, you know, five to 10 times faster than you could even do on your own local machine. Yeah. Um, there, so. there was something called like turbo, right? And yes. In- so I was not turbo like the mono repo, but, but the, <laughs> the other side of it. So so that's kind yeah. of like a npm package management tool that loads those. How does that work? Yeah. So back when we built the first version of Stackblitz, it's out. You know, when we first had the idea for Stackblitz, we you know no one had done this. There was no prior art whatsoever. So we were like. You know, this this seems really compelling, and and we kind of got nerd sniped, I guess. Yeah. By the so, <laughs> yeah. um, Albert and I have always been suckers for a good challenge too, and so we spent six months of our lives kind of building out the prototype of this thing. And one of the first challenges, especially back in twenty, I think it was twenty sixteen, when we kind of started working on that, was the, one of the biggest challenges is that uh, getting npm, like being able to do npm installs in the browser, like 
browsers were just not at that time it was very very limited like the amount of bandwidth you could really do and the number of requests um and so we ended up applying a lot of the same concepts that like at the time webpack had popularized around like tree shaking and um, doing analysis of the actual dependency trees from the files. And so we actually were able to cut down the payload sizes over fire for Turbo V1, that is. Uh, I think it was like, you know, in some cases it was ridiculous. Like we were dropping 99% of your node modules, right, during the installs. Um, and that, and at that time it was really, really important to do. And um, and so it was, yeah, these days, uh, and so that, that was also, Stackwood V1 was kind of a limited, it was kind of like a, we, you know, we hacked together this like mini NPM plus, a uh, mini web pack that could run in a browser, basically. And that for like, uh, let's see, that was 2017 is when we launched it. And I think um, 2021 is when we launched web containers. So probably about two years into that. Hopefully this is interesting, by the way. But, uh, oh, this is very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'll try and keep it, I'll keep it, you know, short and see we can, you can poke around. No, we, we love the backstory. We'll get, we'll get to the, yeah. you know, the meat of it. We'll get to web containers. Oh, only. Yeah. Because it's it, it was actually like there's there's it's, it's been a consistent story of like again the kind of the key insight was like browsers have become very powerful, um, and and actually I should mention kind of at the same time frame, um, the the guys who founded Figma, uh, Dylan um, in particular was was a buddy of ours, and so you know he and I had talked a lot back in the uh, early 2010s about you know how he's kind of putting Photoshop in the browser and like there's these new things browsers could do that was enabling this to happen for the first time. Um, and so we, we had spent a good amount of time talking to people that were doing this sort of thing in other types of productivity applications. And, and so when this came around for Stackwitz, I think that's part of why we were like, oh, whoa, this is actually, there's kind of maybe another ground zero moment here uh, for the first time ever, this sort of thing can be, can be done. And because um, it's just a, a whole new world of opportunities if that's actually true. And, um, and so the first version of Stackwitz was like baby NPM, baby Webpack that could run. It was super great. It was like basically CodePen plus plus, right? Um, which was yeah. very needed at that time because CodePen and these other things, they're amazing, they're super fast. And they and again, they use your browser to do that compute work, but they, they couldn't do a lot of the things that modern tool chains were needed to do with Webpack and NPM. And so by going and building that out, we ended up having, you know, uh, some hundreds of thousands or millions of developers that use that stuff. Um, and they're constantly asking, you know, okay, hey, can I run this thing in Stackwitz? Can we, you know, run this type of webpack loader? And it was all we had to do is stuff by hand. Um, and we, we kind of got to a point where we were just making lots of things manually run in a browser. And we realized, oh, actually, you know, if we could, if we actually put, you know, punch in a layer below this and we actually bring in, like, write a, a mini operating system, a little micro operating system in WebAssembly um, that was powerful enough to actually mount Node.js on top of that you could effectively just like run everything in the ecosystem. And, and so we kind of, we were digging into it. We're like, okay, we well, could theoretically, you could potentially write this little micro operating system. It could be like a couple hundred kilobytes, maybe, you know? Um, so it would be like instant to load effectively. Um, and you could probably drop node down to be, you know, 500K, something like that. So it's like, you're talking about a payload. I mean, you're running, you know, an OS and Node.js, you know, for, you know, maybe around a megabyte. You know? That's crazy. Um, yeah. And so that's, and, and so we spent, you know, I think we started working on that. Um, I think the first commits landed in like 2019 on that. And then uh, began 2019. And then uh, in 2021, we actually, um, you know, released that technology and, uh, uh, you know, where people could use it on Stackblitz. And then uh, this past week, we actually just opened up the public API. So now people, other people can take web container and build it into their stuff. And, okay. Anyways, so that's, that's like well, a cool technology story of how this stuff came to be. Uh, that's perfect. And it's a great segue. We're going to pause for a uh, sponsor break, and then we're going to come back and chat all about web containers. Heck yeah. How in the world could I forget about this? There's no need to freak out. We have Storyblock. Robert, you're right. But we still need a plan. Okay. How much time do we have left until the launch? 24 hours. Okay, let's go. ready to publish. So let's get this baby online. Let's get this baby online. That's stack <laughs> that needs that new logo. <laughs> that's, that's a good ad, actually. 
Storyblock yeah. is pretty crazy at how their marketing team is. They're just so good, especially like at conferences. They do like this whole game setup where you play um, Tetris and the person that gets the most wins, like big prizes at the end of the conference. And so they always attract people coming over okay. and their ads are so great. They're so good. But uh, I wanted to ask, you were talking a lot about Webpack in the beginning of StackBlitz and how that got in. And now I know that StackBlitz is a huge supporter of the Veet ecosystem and you have a few Veet maintainers, at least one working yeah. for StackBlitz. But um, are you using Veet now? How is that playing into web containers and that story now? Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, so we we are we ourselves are actually like uh, we've been migrating our stuff over to Veeam. I, th I think we're either done or we're very close or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was so that one was interesting because like you know the when when we originally put Web Container online because we got involved with Veet, um, I think it was in the fall of 2021, and then we launched Web Container in May of 2021. So it was actually it was only a couple months after we had launched Web Container and. One of the things with um, uh, with StackBlitz and you know, like we're we're kind of doing stuff that that um, until recently really no one else was even trying to do like running mm -hmm. this stuff in the browser. Um, it, it's pretty important. Like a web container on its own is is very useless. It, what makes it magical is the, the stuff you install into it, right? Like the tool chains you install. It's it's yeah. I mean, like an operating system with nothing is is cool to like ls and then you're like what do i do right <laughs> um and so it's it's really strategically important for us as a company that we actually uh have excellent relationships with with open source uh projects and that we're really working with them and um uh, making sure that their stuff runs great inside stack blitz and i think also one of the big concerns for us when we launched web container because at that time uh you know Vite was was very i mean it, it almost no one was even talking about it when we went mm -hmm. here first went online. And so as we spent years building the technology, one of the biggest concerns we had was like, even if we make it incredibly fast to install everything or whatever have you, if your tool chain is really slow, it, it's, it's going to kill the experience. Cause like people, if you look at these like things like Figma or Google docs, there's this expectation when you open a browser tab for these things that it's going to like boot up instantly. You know what I mean, mm -hmm. and and what's outside of our control, right? To a large degree, is is how the npm ecosystem is designing their bundlers and their tool chains, whatever have you. And kind of at that time, in the in the previous era, the the way in which these module graphs were being crunched and you know, et cetera, things just were kind of grinding to to a halt. And and that's really where I mean, and this is why V really came into the picture is because they they took a very different approach to how you would actually build a bundler that would allow for very fast boot up times and et cetera. And so um, what ended up happening was uh, we launched Web Container. We, had, we were, a, a lot of people were starting to, you know, use Stacklets, et cetera. And we kept hearing um, from folks in the V community, like Evan, you was, would, would tweet occasionally at us and be like, hey, have you guys enabled like ESBuild to run on this stuff? And we're like, oh, not yet. And then once we enabled that, a whole bunch of these people from the V ecosystem started coming in. And, and so, you know, one night I was just... Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I was just curious. I was like, what is this feed thing? Because it kind of keeps coming across, you know, our, our Twitter or my emails or whatever. And uh, I, I was reading on it, you know, just through the docs at that time. And I was like, oh, wow, holy crap. Like this, I think that this makes a lot of sense how they designed it. And um, it, it just struck me as just a really pragmatic, obvious path forward for, for the ecosystem to move towards. I mean, in, in particular, uh, the, the thing for me personally that, that that sold it was the fact that their plugin API surface was was based on rollup was huge because like when you're building a new build tool right so to, to go on a tangent on this but it was like I think this is like probably one of the most important decisions that that, that team made uh, is like when you're building a new tool you have to crack the chicken and egg problem right of like get, getting people to adopt it etc and that's really hard especially if you're like a bundler because there's so many bundling options there's so many tools out there. And so getting people to write plugins for every which thing, you know, just takes forever. And so your stuff's got to be really good for that, like to, for everyone to just be like, we're going to rewrite everything. We're going to throw everything else out, you know? And, and so it just doesn't happen often unless there's a tectonic shift that causes it. And whereas in Veet's, in Veet's case, by adopting the rollup API surface, rollup had been out for like five or six years or something. There was already a plugin for like almost anything, right? And so yeah. they, they were able to like just immediately off the bat, have a community they could tap into, I mean, in a plugin ecosystem. They just made stuff work, and they're and for the computationally expensive stuff, they're using native uh, tooling like ESBuild and the hood. But that's entirely abstracted away 
in the developer. Um, so anyway, so so at that point, I was like, I'm convinced this is this, this thing is going to just take over um, how people are building web apps because it's it's you know it's designed to interoperate with how everything's been working already. It's also designed to be fast um, and very secure, and those are all the things that we care about too. Um, and so we ended up doing the biggest backer of V back, I think, in November of uh, 21. And then, uh, and then Matthias, uh, uh, yeah, I, as, as part of the process of us getting involved with V, I spent a lot of time talking. And, um, uh, and, and so he came on board and he's been working with us full time. And um, yeah, he's, he's, that, that guy's a gem. I love working with Matthias. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we're, we're big fans of V. And, and, and since then, I mean, I think we've, we became involved with V. I think they were doing like 100 or 200,000 downloads a week. Um, and I think they're doing, uh, I think they're about to cross 4 million. Uh, it is pretty insane, like how the V ecosystem has just taken over the world. Yeah, and it, yeah. it reminded me a little bit of how Quick and Mishko have taken pieces of the ecosystem. He's like, I didn't want to rebuild everything. I wanted to use tooling that already existed. So I used JSX and he used things. It reminded me a little bit of that story with Mishko and how he's doing that for Quick also. Totally. Yeah. And I think and it's really smart because I think everyone's like, I think that there's a, a default instinct when you're going to build something new. It's like, we want it to be all new. We want it to be like ours and, you know, yeah. it's just like the best and it's like the best thing ever. And, um, you know, but it's, but the, I think the reality is, is often the pragmatic, it's more pragmatic you are about, Hey, how, how do we make this easier to adopt? Right. And like, um, that's a huge part of developer experience, I think. Right. Is like how, how much work am I going to have to do and how, how painful is it going to be to kind of go from where, what I'm doing today over to this thing. And uh, yeah, I think the V, the V team's done a really good job of, of designing that tool in a way where it's, it's just, it's appearing everywhere, not even in bundlers for like running test suites with V test, you know, and yeah. just, it's kind of showing up in a lot of places. Um, and yeah. And so uh, we, we did V comp last year, which was like a lot of fun. I mean, it's like super cool. It's like all the people in this community yeah. and, I think this one this year is going to be even more interesting. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's, uh, things are only, the, the, the interestingness is multiplying as, as, as is you know, along with Veed's growth, I think, right? So I, I love that community because they don't feel like they exclude people. It's like there's so many people using Veed that they bring in people from all the different ecosystems and you just, they all come together in this one big community and I love it. Totally. It's cool too that it's like not, it's not owned by like, uh, you know, it's not like a, you know, a lot, some open source is like, it's like a company that will like make yeah. this thing. And, um, you know, like, which is not bad, like things like Kubernetes, right. And like react kind of popped out of Google and, and meta you know, kind of respectively. And, uh, you know, and, and that's like, cool. It's, it's, it's Evan and the team over there have just done a really good job being independent. I, I think it's, it's kind of their superpower because they're just, they just are yeah. not limited to, thinking about shareholders and profits and things like that. There's the, if they build great stuff, people will want to contribute and support it. And, um, you know, it's, 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 awesome. it's one of the, one of the few big success stories, I think in the open source. World, yeah. You know? Agreed. Um, yeah. Let's, let's dive in deeper to uh, web containers. I'll bring up uh, the, the web container site. So web container. Right. IO. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh uh, yeah. Whew, that is a good looking site. Yes, <laughs> I notice uh, your perfect pick might uh, might be sneaking out already. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, 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 De Devin, who's on our team, he, you know, he he's the one who he does you know all of our our uh, design and brand design, and you know, he's just he's he's got a good taste for this, this sort of thing. But uh, yeah, this um, it's cool because I mean what you're seeing right on the right over here, we were like we, there's a lot of conversations like how do you this was actually really hard to market. Like, how do you market something like this? It's like a yeah. dev environment, like, you know, even the tagline, we're like, is this the right one? Uh, open to feedback, by the way, if you, if you, if you all hate it. Um, but um, it, it, we were like, what would be a great demo? And, and so then what you see on the right is kind of what we did there, where, you know, it's like, hey, we want to show you that, you know, just by loading this page, there's this operating system, you know, and you can actually run commands in it. And it ran PMPM after you loaded the page and everything, you know, so, um, yeah. So it's actually running live in this page. Oh yeah, so if you click on that terminal over there, you can like start typing some dependencies into it. And, uh, you know, that is ridiculous. Oh wow, I had no idea. If you type in the file up top, okay, it's, that's actually saving to the file systems. You can type node index.js. You can type things in the. File. I'm gonna ask like a really dumb question because containers and Kubernetes and like Vim and all this stuff is like crazy to me. But what's the difference between a virtual machine and a web container? 
Yeah, so um, a virtual machine, because uh, it's actually like, even if, if you even pull web here in the mix, there's like virtual machine, there's containers, there's container images. Yeah. So there's like, even, even in just that world, there's like lots of differences between <laughs> these things. And so I think I'll kind of group all of those in one bucket and the web containers in another. So okay. when you look at like traditional um, VMs or like Docker containers and that sort of thing, uh, they are, they're encapsulating, you know, stuff that can run on like x86 or ARM-based architectures. They're like, you know, they're, they're running like basically uh, on the metal of your machine. I'm doing a really bad job okay. explaining this, but effectively you have to give those things like native access. If you're going to run a container, you have to like install something locally and run it there, et cetera, right? Oh, gotcha. What a web container allows you to do is you don't have to install anything. So it's actually using like the, your browser's built-in WebAssembly and JavaScript engine to actually execute this like operating system within your browser tab, right? And so what's super cool about that is like, one, there's no download step, which is nice. You know, not even install things is, is, a, is a pretty cool experience. Um, two is that it's really secure. So like, if you go in, like, if you actually go and write in, in that file up there and you say, you know, go download the worst exploit in the NPM ecosystem and execute it. It's, it's not going to do anything to your computer. It's actually, because it's, it's entirely, the execution is sandboxed to this browser tab that we're looking at, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and not even that, so it couldn't even punch out to the main thread of webcontainers.io here. It'd actually be constrained to like this iframe where it's actually executed because it's cross-origin. And, um, and that's it. So browsers are like some of the most secure environments to run untrusted code anywhere. Because like uh, Google and the other browser vendors have spent decades uh, making the uh, JavaScript and WebAssembly engines of these things the fastest, most secure place to run untrusted code. So being able to run an operating system and dev environments in there, uh, one is great because it gives you the best performance and two, it gives you the best security guarantees you can effectively get. Um, so anyway, so that's like uh, more than you asked for. I think. Oh, no, that's a great explanation. And this isn't running, like we're not hitting somebody else's server with this stuff on it. This is actually right. running in that browser tab. Correct. Yep, I, exactly. I think I crashed the tab. <laughs> Did you write an infinite loop? Yeah, I wanted to see what <laughs> Oh, I might have crashed. They must share. Like all the Oops. Yeah, it might we, It might be sharing a, uh, it might actually be, so if you close that tab entirely and then just open a fresh one, it'll, I think it'll, I think it should it should nuke it at that point. I believe. Thank you. Yeah. Yay! Sorry. I really it. I really wanted to test it out. Um, <laughs> so let's let's talk a minute about. Um, so we we talked a lot about Stacklets, obviously, because you're head of Stacklets. Um, I'm kind of curious when you go to getting started. Um, so when we talk about Stacklets first, like code flow and, and things like that, what is the difference in people's minds, like? there's multiple ways to use web containers. Can we break down like why you would want to use them in the, in the different fashions versus just embedding like all of Stackblitz into something? Yeah, totally. And so, and, and we at Stackblitz have a couple of different uh, editor experiences that web, that we use web containers on. And so like on this page, you can see there's like open Stackblitz and open in CodeFlow. And the, the difference between those are, and there's probably gonna be some merging in the future. I, we're kind of figuring out how exactly we want to do it, but. Um, the idea between these two things you're looking at is this is kind of our code pen plus plus editor, what we're yep. seeing right here. That's like the open and stack puts button. And this is like, I'm not trying to like, you know, connect this thing to a Git repo. I want to like run it without having to download something, but I may want to like, I may want to like make changes and save this link with and send the link to someone. That's kind of the use case of this, the code flow one, this is running full VS code with all of your favorite VS code extensions. Like this VS Code running the desktop, actually the desktop version of VS Code on top of web container in your browser here. Um, and you can actually, you know, do your full development. You can commit back to Git. You can fork this thing, et cetera. So those are kind of the two different uh, experiences that we provide out of the box for this thing. Um, and uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say when you're running local things like this, it's I assume it's out on a port somewhere, right? So you can hit like this instead of localhost, it's somewhere else or no? Yes, exactly. And so okay. this is what's cool about this. This is actually, uh, if you were to disconnect your internet, you would get disconnected from the podcast. So don't do that. You know, but, uh, <laughs> if you actually, if you were to disconnect your internet, you can try it after the podcast. Um, that URL will keep working actually. Nice. Um, because it's actually running inside of your browser over the service worker API. So we've actually mapped oh, okay. a, a TCP networking stack to the browser service worker API. So you can actually run full HTTP and WebSocket servers entirely in your browser, That's um, you know, map to this running, you know, uh, web container effectively. 
Um, and so that was, we were the first folks that really had ever done anything kind of quite like this. Um, and, uh, and there's been some other folks that have actually kind of started doing things actually similar to web container and that sort of thing, um, you know, in the past like week or two actually. But, um, but even now it's, you know, this is, um, this is, it's cool stuff. Cause you can actually, it's, again, it's like your local dev environment, but in a browser tab that you can, you know, review a pull request, throw it out instead of having to context switch locally, yeah. you know, you just have an instant environment. You can spin up or do the review, throw the browser tab out. Fantastic example. I feel like I'm doing that all the time where like I'm cloning it to a separate like area so I can keep working and do all those PR reviews, but it would be exactly. cool to just add a, a button out there and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like uh, GitHub's trying to do that. What's their, I can never code remember. Spaces. Code spaces. They're, they're yes. trying to do the same with that, but that's, that's another revenue stream for them, but not, not the same as web containers, right? That's not. Yeah. Any- yeah, so they're, they're doing it the traditional way, which yep. is, um, I think, you know, like them and Gitpod and uh, Code Sandbox's primary offerings, they, they also do it this way where they're actually using servers. Like when you click to like review a pull request or something, it's actually spinning up a cloud VM out there, yep. you know, in, in the cloud, whatever, whichever cloud, and installs all your dependencies, boots it up, et cetera. And it kind of has all the, the the downsides I mentioned earlier, which is, you know, it's, it's slower, there's latency, et cetera. In some cases, it's, it's you know, th- there are benefits, which I, we, we could talk about. But I think for, especially in web development, it tends to, it tends to not really make a lot of sense from a user experience perspective or a cost perspective. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, I think it, it seems like there's been, especially like, you know, Microsoft is pushing code spaces a good amount. Um, I think people are, it seems like folks are, are using them to a certain degree, but, um, but it can take a while for those things to boot up, you know? And I think, again, kind of coming back to what we felt was really important is I don't want to use this thing. Like I have a local environment and just, just, just about every developer does. If this thing takes, you know, if this thing takes minutes to, to spin up in the cloud or whatever, I'm, I'm not going to want to use it on, on every pull request. Right. right. Yeah. How that works with like a private GitHub repo and like trying to do those pull requests into Stack Blitz. What's the permission? How do you handle that? Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, it's it's actually pretty cool because it's better. It's actually a lot better than how it works on like local uh, machines. Mm-hmm. You just OAuth. You actually just like you log in with Stack Blitz and and you say um, and for for if it's like an organization, your organization has to approve Stack Blitz. Um, to be able to, you know, open repos or whatever. But what's really cool about that is that there's not these like lingering SSH keys hanging around yeah. on your on your box. When you look at like code spaces or or you know, any of the other server things, they've got SSH keys that they're keeping locally on that box, and that's a problem from a security perspective. Like if you look at the supply chain attacks that have been happening, uh, the way that that it, in a nutshell, the way it you know kind of works is. They get you to accidentally install something you shouldn't have as part of your NPM install process, uh, whether it be a sub-dependency or otherwise. Uh, a post-install script will execute, grab all of your SSH keys and you know NPM keys, whatever, upload that to a server, and then they just start doing things on your behalf, right? And so in Web Container, there's, there are no SSH keys. It's all done using expiring OAuth tokens that are never actually exposed to the Web Container instance um, it, you know, through cross-origin isolation. And so um, uh, that's it. That's huge because I mean, even if they could access the the, the, uh, the tokens being used, they're they're going to be useless in like ten minutes. <laughs> and so it's you got a very short window to actually even if you could even break the cross origin security aspect. So um, for that reason, we have a lot of enterprise companies that that are you know looking to use our stuff or using our stuff because it just it gives you like really really good guarantees on this. That makes a lot of sense. And for like my company's setup is just so insane with like having the containers and things or doing it all locally. And it's a complicated setup to onboard people. So having like something that you could just upload would be so nice. Totally. And that's, and that's one of the big things that you any company that's, that's has to have a good security posture. That's typically a huge issue is, I mean, usually like security and productivity are kind of don't usually come in the same box because the, the more security you have, that usually means more doors, more locks, more things, punch codes you have to put in to do things. Right. So it's productivity kind of takes a hit. Typically with productivity tools, it's, here's a link to this thing, you know, it's just easy, but that also means that it's less secure typically because it's easier to gain access. So you shouldn't, um, it, what's kind of cool with, with what, what we've done, but it's actually not even really what we've done is, uh, 
browsers have had to optimize for both and optimizing for both takes a very long time. And, and browsers have been at this for three decades. now. And so um, by being able to build on top of what, what Google and Mozilla and Apple and whatever um, are doing is just huge because you at an enterprise organization, they can adopt this thing. Uh, and, and so they often will say, well, where are you running these VMs? We're like, we're not running them any, we're not selling you a new runtime. You've already approved Chrome, right? As a yeah. runtime you trust this runs in that, you know, and, um, and, and it's, it's really compelling because it, it, it allows you to do fast employee onboarding. It gives you the security you need, et cetera. So exactly what you're describing is like totally. Yeah. Is that seems like it's really easy to sell. Let's talk about the pricing and like, what does that pricing model look like? <laughs> you got to talk to sales. Oh, no, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, it, it kind of varies. Right. So, um, we've got a new, a new SaaS offering, um, that's actually about to come out where you can, uh, use it with like, publicly hosted, you know, GitHub, uh, even like GitHub Enterprise, GitLab, that sort of thing. Um, and for that, we, you know, we, again, it's like, I think from like the roots of like where we built the company from, like Albert and I, from when we were like 12, 13, we, we have, we're, you know, doing a very generous sort of like freeze here where it's like, in fact, you can use this stuff entirely for free for the most part. Um, you know, if you're in a team of up to like five or something like that, right? And then I think at that point, it's, uh, I think the pricing jump is going to be, something that like the tens of dollars per month, right? And if you're in an enterprise company, you have to install this thing on-prem and all that sort of stuff. It, it, it kind of depends because there's like support contracts that come to play. And so that's like, yeah. you know, higher than, you know, what our SaaS stuff will be. But, you know, generally speaking, it's like, it's it's really affordable. It's like you can measure it in cups of coffee, you know, like <laughs> what you're paying for this thing. Um, and uh, and the benefit you get is like ridiculous. Um, I'm biased here, obviously, but, uh, you know, it's... It, some of, the, some of these, our customers have done value models on these things and it's just like ridiculous. Like we spend, you know, half a million dollars to get our entire, you know, multi-thousand person dev work on this thing. We're going to save, you know, a couple million dollars a year conservatively, you know, wow. um, by buying this stuff. So, um, but so anyway, so yeah, it's, 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 it's cool. It's taken us, you know, half a decade to get this stuff to the point where it can actually really work this well. But um, yeah, it's, it's cool to build something that actually provides, you know, a lot of value and makes development, you know, fast and, you know. I think it is. I think that's pretty incredible too, that it came from that beginning story for you and wanting to have that dev environment. I remember like learning to code. It's not just learning HTML, CSS and JavaScript. It's learning NPM and Git and all the things and getting that local dev environment set up. is just so much on a beginner. So it's nice to have these things and it's an incredible story. So I want to talk about a tweet I threw out there, kind of at the Code Sandbox people and and your yourself. They have a, a new product. Um, forgetting the name already. Code. No, what is it called? <laughs> it, uh, I think it's I think it's called Sandpack. Nodebox. Sandpack. Sandpack. Right? Sandpack and Nodebox. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Um, so yeah. You you compared it. Uh, the difference between an electric SUV versus an e-board. So <laughs> I, I'll, I'll put an asterisk. So, so, okay. So by the way, so that, that seems punk. really, Sorry. it seems rude. So I want, I just want to throw it out there. Actually, I commuted on an e-board for a year in San Francisco. So like that, it, it's actually a huge compliment. Here's a picture because... of him. I, I think that's the picture. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't say it. Like, that's me. That's me. Like, that's actually me, you know? And, and I, I hope that adding the image with, I, there's a, there's a story here though, which is, it would take, I lived on the opposite side. Albert and I had, we thought we were going to hire, you know, our team was going to be in San Francisco based. We ended up hiring everyone remote. We had not hired anyone in California, um, you know, four years later. So we had gotten an office though, to prepare for this. That was in the downtown of San Francisco. And we lived out on the other side. And so it was like, uh, you know, four miles in heavy traffic every morning. And so it takes like 45 minutes on the bus, you know, or, you know, the Uber or whatever. And um, I kind of got sick of it. And so I was like, you know, what, what would be the fastest way to do this? And so um, I might've watched Tron or something around that. <laughs> you know, I was like, do I want to buy a motorcycle? Bike. Not really. You know, uh, that seems, you know, maybe not a good idea. You know, electric bike, yeah, maybe. And, uh, you know, I, I had snowboarded growing up or whatever. So I got one of these things. And um, I, I, in that photo, I'm wearing a lot of gear because the first day I got it, like kind of a classic, uh, classic guy, I guess. I was like, how fast can this thing? And uh, <laughs> first time on the thing, I, I think it was like, I probably hit like 20, 25 miles an hour and just went straight off the thing. Oh. Um, but so then, then I was like padded up from there on out. And, that's uh, really good. This is my one wheel story. I, that, that's uh, what I was going to say. This reminds <laughs> me of the one wheel fad that everybody's been on. Those things look dangerous. 
I couldn't walk yeah. for a week and a half after I crashed that thing. So wow, yeah, I know, yeah, and that's that's the thing is it's you know you can kind of learn to trust, especially the one wheels I think because they're especially easy to kind of balance on compared to um, the the longboard sort of things. But um, yeah, you know, what I'll say about it is you know, it took a forty five minute commute, um, and I with that thing I was door to door in less than twenty minutes because I, I would just be like just cu- cutting through the traffic because I could just yeah. like be weaving, you know. And insert Tron exercise. music playing, I mean, which just kind of like, you know, <laughs> at, least, at least a little exercise. Sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was my, my analogy really. And I think that, you know, um, and maybe a, a more charitable exp- uh, uh, analogy that I think a lot of people could probably relate to, it would be something like uh, a, one of these like really powerful e-bikes, right. Where it's something that you can actually use to like commute every single day. Right. Um, yeah. But it's not something that is, it's not something you're going to like, you're going to like take your family to the movies in. Right, I guess if if that makes sense, and and I think that the the Code Sandbox folks when they launched it, they they've been, they've been very clear that they they're very much targeting uh, like running examples and documentation and that yeah. sort of thing versus doing like lots of you know kind of the sort of use cases that we were just kind of showing here, right? And so that was kind of the main point I was trying to illustrate, and um, you know when I was saying that, but it, it probably only made sense to me as someone who's using it. No, I, I thought it was fine. I think there, there's, there's some good discussion after that. So it was just but, a funny, funny analogy. Um, but the part I, I think that uh, that was with the Code Sandbox side of things is that their cross-browser is is Web Containers cross-browser. Is it only Chrome? Yeah. So so we've run we've been running in Firefox for over a year as well, and. Um, so our, yeah, our, our approach, um, there, there's a short answer to what you're saying. Um, and uh, so that kind of, when we first launched Webcanary in, in 2021, uh, the, the big problem, like we've, everything in Stackless has been built on things that are web standards. Like there's nothing that's like Chrome specific that like would make it be Chrome only. It's just that Chrome was the only people that have shipped the things that, you know, have been standardized. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, it's like WebAssembly, WebAssembly threads, and there's a handful of other things. And uh, for, for the most part, and, you know, uh, and so I think that uh, the strategy we've kind of taken is, is like the web, we, we want to help the web, all browsers get to a point where they, they've got these, these modern things. We think it's really important. So we actually have a blog post. Um, I, can, I can share the link here. And we became a part of a group uh, called the Bytecode Alliance, which is focusing on, on kind of the future of like WebAssembly and things related like well, the WebAssembly system interface, et cetera. And I think the big thing that we're providing, and so in the, in the Bytecode Alliance is a consortium of like companies like us, but also all of the major browser vendor companies like Google, Mozilla, et cetera. Um, and so we've, we've been able to work with those companies a lot, um, actually on getting web computers to run there. We've got great relationships with those folks. And that's actually how we got Firefox working in such short order, was uh, some great folks like Bobby Holly and a handful of folks on the Firefox side made that happen. Nice. Um, and uh, and so kind of our approach has been, we really, we want to actually help, we want to help push the web forward kind of on all platforms and we're, you know, to a large degree, we're willing, we're willing to, to be patient um, and just kind of, and help build public support to make these things happen because there's stack, but maybe like one of the, you know, uh, today, one of the most sophisticated things that runs in a browser engine, but five, 10 years from now, I think that, you know, what are the possibilities, right? That, that, that get unlocked when you, yeah. when you actually really, like, if you look at in the seventies, like what NASA did, to, to actually get people on the moon, the technologies that were invented from that changed everything for you know 50 years later, right? And so I think that's when you when I think it's it's worthwhile to really kind of go along and, and and say hey we need to we need to like apply pressure here and be as helpful as we can and put as many eyeballs on this and kind of rally our community to like be asking browser vendors to make this happen um, because and so the short answer to your question is oh yeah it runs in Safari now actually like yeah. so so the, the Safari team I think the latest beta. Um, they've added effectively all of the things we've ever asked for, <laughs> and um, and 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 it's, it's I think peer it's peer pressure it's, at that point. <laughs> totally, and and, I, and part of it is maybe related to potential antitrust stuff, and so they're trying to catch up on browser features or whatever have you. But but when they're kind of going, I got to imagine, you know, as they're going through the short list, they're going, what are the things that web developers um, have been have been asking for, and 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 the stuff that we've been, you know, web developers. Uh, are a small audience, but StackBlitz has a lot of web developers that use it. And so they've been, we've been able to have folks advocating with us to make these things land. And so in the new Safari uh, beta, uh, you can actually like run web containers. Not everything's working or whatever at this point, but you know, it's like, you can run, I think like SvelteKit runs in it and, you know, Beat runs and, you know, a handful of other things. And, um, so over the next week or two, it's like, that's going to be, I think, uh, uh, 
you know, there were, was some announcements as far as like, hey, this is this is kind of ready to rock and roll. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's been our approach is to work with with the browser vendors to uh, adopt things that have been standardized and and make sure it works well on their stuff. Um, yeah. It's really really good segue on the this felt tutorial piece of things. So um, say the same thing. <laughs> something else I wanted to show off. The the reason that I initially like started researching this is because we ultimately at, at Coding Cat we want to get to the point where we're teaching in the browser fully. Like you don't have to do anything. Maybe you hit like the version of a Git repo and it loads automatically to do your like tests and things like that. So if I refresh the new learn.svelte.dev you'll see in the bottom right here how it's starting up all the web container pieces and parts. And then as you kind of work through this, there's different things like you click solve just to see like what actually occurs. Um, and I think it's brilliant. Like we'll probably add like a video on top of this. So we're teaching as we go along, but to be able to execute practically anything, maybe not stuff that like needs Docker or anything like that, but from a web development standpoint, I love it. So I, I Props to, I think Rich actually did a lot of this. But. Oh, yeah. Simon and Rich and I think a few of the team, but I think you work closely with the Statwitz team, right? They worked closely together with them. Yeah, totally. And they deserve a shout out because like, you know, back, um, you know, I think it was like a, probably about a year ago, we started um, seriously, we, we had the idea to, to, to do the public API of web container. And mm-hmm. um to, to, like that was that was you know it maybe kind of seems obvious that we would make such a thing now but like back a year ago it was still you know it was still for, from our perspective you know it's like is this is this even ready to go out there and um you know from a business perspective does it make sense like you know does way would want it like we, we wouldn't want it in a, in a situation where because like, when you when you look at companies that have like built deep technologies like deep technology plays things that take years to develop and are you know, kind of a huge bet and it's either it works or it doesn't. Um, it's a lot of times the incentive, the immediate incentive is to, is to like keep it all proprietary for the company and yeah. like it's only for their products and like, you know, et cetera. And so if you kind of look at like uh, mobile operating systems, you know, Apple has continues to like be like iOS only will run on Apple hardware, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and same thing with like self-driving cars, like that technology, every company is kind of building their own thing right now as their proprietary. And, uh, you know, if you look at the mobile landscape, Google was very, was very savvy to like release an operating system that, they, that could actually just be licensed and people could like contribute to and make better and like make cohesive. Right. And, um, you know, as in, kind of by analogy in the self-driving car space, there hasn't been that yet. Right. And you've seen there's like escalation happening across all these different companies where, you know, kind of in the extreme case, you've got Uber where they you know, Uber put like one of their senior guys, like they're very far behind. I think it's before they were IPOing, so maybe you know, there's incentive to, to kind of show results, but they actually like put a guy into Google's hiring funnel and the guy copy pasted code, you know, from Google over to Uber, <laughs> right? And so you've got these, which I think is, you know, any reasonable person would say, okay, there's some moral wrongdoing and maybe probably criminality in doing such a thing, right? Um, yeah. And so you kind of look at that and you're like, well, you know, what if, what if a company, you know, maybe there's a good reason for it, but it's certainly worth exploring. What if a company said, hey, like, we actually are going to like, we're, we want to, we want to work with everyone. We want to incentivize everyone to work with us and actually build this technology out and make it better. And so that was like a year ago when we, when we were looking at the web container API, we're like, you know, it, it, it seems very, um, it was, it's very uncomfortable, this idea, but it actually really, it, it seems very logical that we actually like, we really want, we want people to be able to use this so, because there's so many types of things that people could build that like, uh, really wouldn't be possible without this. And, and, you know, we don't want to incentivize people to, uh, to not want to work with us. And so um, when we uh, when we actually set out to build the API, I, I was talking with Rich Harris and, uh, you know, whenever you're kind of building something like this, uh, especially something like this, where it's like an API that's very technical, right? It's not, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a lower level thing. And you want to have um, some people that have built really cool things with it that, 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 that really are tangible examples of, wow, this is awesome. And, uh, and Rich is like, you know, he's someone I respect a lot and, and he, and he, he can really, he's got that kind of full stack sort of vision where he can kind of like look at the technical details and then all the way out to the end experience and make something that just kind of blows your mind. And, um, and so he, he, you know, he, uh, he, we were talking about the API and so our team put together the first, you know, prototype of the thing and he built the first prototype of the, the Svelte Learn REPL. And I think it was like last May. Uh, he announced it like a conference and there's a lot of excitement around it. 
Um, and it made people go, wow. And, and, uh, and so his team, I mean, his team's provided us with a ton of feedback, just super helpful. Um, but, uh, but so they deserve a shout out for, for all, because it, it was really key. It was really key for us for, um, you know, not only just, uh, the API that we ended up landing on was really driven by their feedback. Um, but also like the, the validation, like, Hey, are there really like use cases people would find this, um, interesting for outside of just like how Stafford is using it? Like seeing this, it was like, this is so obvious. Yeah. This is going to change everything for how developers are like learning or prototyping or, you know, even there's some interesting AI related ones that are kind of popping out now of like, you, you tell chat GPT to like, write you a, a V SSR app, but it not, doesn't just show the code. It actually executes it in the web container on the page, right? Like stuff like that, where it's just, you know, kind of mind blowing, but yeah. anyway, so that's how it came to be. That's really cool. What you were saying about sharing uh, code and like making those things, what we can learn from open source too, is it spurs innovation. Like that's like, we see new JavaScript frameworks and they're all kind of copying a little bit from each other, but they all have their own little unique thing that they come up with because there's like different ways that they innovate on all of that. And I, I agree with you. I think that that's the best way to go is just sharing and allowing everyone to use that. Totally. And it's, and I think too, it's, it kind of forces us to, to like, I think it forces you to keep yourself honest in the sense of, you know, if we, uh, if we think that, you know, we're going to build the best products, right. Um, you know, and be able to build the best experiences, um, yeah, then it shouldn't be a problem, right? Like I think giving it everyone having access in the same way Google does with Android, where they and you know, Google makes kind of their flagship devices, right? And they're like, we're gonna, you know, we think we can make the best Android phones, but so does Samsung, you know? And 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 Samsung will ship their, and sometimes Google contracts Samsung to make Google's flagship phone. You know, this marketing is the Google thing, right? And yeah. and so I think it's like that's kind of the future that that we think is 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 the most exciting and interesting one um, for this sort of stuff because. Uh, we're, we're a small company, you know, we're, 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 we're just not going to be able to build all the things out there. And I mean, nor, nor would we want to, cause it's like, uh, you know, seeing the stuff like that, the rich and his team and all these other folks have been building already, um, has been, it's just been really cool. So it's, it's, it's just, it's one of those cool things where it's like kind of classic innovators dilemma. Right. Um, yeah. and, and it's, it's, I think it's a good sign of like the health of a, of an organization when they're, when they're embracing the future before the future's there. You know I, mean? I could even um, see your past Lithinkster coming back into play with this. Like maybe you come up with some like tutorial thing in the future that Stack Blitz like does. I and and and, and you know, we kicked around this idea of having a tutorial mode on Stack Blitz for a long yeah. time. And and I you know now there's there's some uh, you know there's some tutorial sites that since we launched last week are coming in, and and they're doing this you know which is yeah. so cool because it's like you know, seeing um, like Egghead IO is actually has been with their total TypeScript course and that sort of thing has actually been doing oh, this. Oh, they're right doing now. it. Yeah, so if you go through the um, uh, Matt's course over there, it's at, at the end of every video there's an interactive stack blitz where you actually are doing an interactive lesson um, before you move on to the next step. And so um, we're just trying to scratch the surface of this, you know. Like I think it's just <laughs> it's well, I, I think it, you know it's in it's 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 like it's completely fresh ground like there's you know everyone's kind of just getting started with how you can how you can build these things right um i think the benefit of, of stack Blitz's approach here is uh yeah stack Blitz has just been building this stuff for four years now so yeah. the the level of like you know compatibility and speed and performance and etc um is uh yeah you know, it's just i think that it's it's you know it's it's very hard to it's hard to find anything else i guess that's kind of got that level simply because we've just had this is the only technology we build and it's we've been building it for for a long time yep. um so you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find things that like don't run well in web container you know but um yeah we're, we're excited about it we're excited to see the reception to the api and whatnot. yeah it's it's really amazing yeah. to become the the standard for everyone else to catch too so that's really yeah. awesome uh we're going to transition over to our perfect picks now and just as eric takes a drink i'm going to let him go first because <laughs> I don't, I don't understand uh, what this is. What is this Warzone thing? I don't know about the ad at the top. That's that's Sorry. a weird ad. <laughs> I'm blocking all ads. <laughs> and then it, These game sites, I swear, you can't get a good like they all yeah. have ads. So many ads. 
if there's a yeah, better yeah. Uh, if there's a better URL, we'll find one later. I don't know. I've, I've heard I've heard the loadout.com's on par with like you know the New York Times or the Washington Post for editorial you know integrity. So I don't know. I'm kidding. I have no idea. They've got to paid somehow, right? Yeah, I I've, I've never even yeah. seen this site before today. I'm totally joking. Um, yeah, this is a fun mode. Um, I don't know. Like I I, I uh, Albert and I actually we'll, we'll play video. Like yesterday we actually played this together. So that's why it's called Talk um and uh, it's a lot of fun you know call of duty war it's like a battle royale it's uh it's a great mode they just brought it back in the second version so it's good stuff um kind of like fortnite style yes battle yeah royale. it's exactly fortnite style uh it's uh it's yeah it's basically think fortnite plus call of yeah, yeah it's, it's you know nice. so like first person shooter um you're not like swinging a, a cartoonish hammer around or something like that you know it's like you know, <laughs> Um, so, anyway, so I think that's pretty cool, but uh, I couldn't look at that any longer. So I brought up your second pick. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. And the other one's clack. So this is actually, uh, it was made by Nate Moore over at Astro. I think, um, this is super cool. This is, it's, it's, uh, basically a, you know, utility library for building, you know, delicious looking prompts and a CLI. Um, if, I didn't, you know, you don't really realize how hard it is to make, CLIs like look good and feel good and until you actually like, have to do it and you're like wow this is this is the primitives that are out there you know yeah. um so I, a lot of people were really stoked about this product I mean as what I you know some originally tweeted I was I, I gave them I retweeted because like, that is cool that looks great um I think they're actually the, the stuff they've been building for the Astro CLI um which is also gorgeous um I think it it's is beautiful of, yeah it's it's, it's I, if not the best one of the best I think um yeah and uh, I think a lot of the stuff that he that they have built there, I don't know if it was him or other people, but this is kind of the using it as a service in your things, basically. So, so would this kind of be like a framework to build CLIs? Yeah, I, th I think I think effectively. I think effectively. Um, also, a cool thing is that terminal right there is a web container. So if you hit Command C <laughs> or whatever, um, you'll actually be you can ls and you know that's. Uh, yeah, that's that's wow. that's the Web Canary API. So this is like an ad, you know, this uh, you know, not even a week later or whatever. Yeah, it's popping up and um, and this is gonna go straight into my pick because I see a lot of PMPM like everywhere and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. So yeah, my, my picks are done. So that's it for me. <laughs> good picks. Bad, bad decision on URLs, but good picks. <laughs> for me. So my first pick is PMPM workspaces, but specifically with NX and Yuri, who we've had, Yuri? Yuri. I always say Yuri. I hope that's Yuri, right. Yuri, who we've had on before. Uh, love him. He does a great job explaining how to get set up with a PMPM monorepo workspace and then add in NX. And I did this at work recently. So uh, I'm doing design systems. So we have a CSS style um, package already. And then I'm making one for storybook and components. And so each of those is now in its own packages directory. And then I installed NX and you can run the graph command and it will open up in the browser and show you like how all of your packages are like linked together and which ones are using which other packages. And it's really cool. The, the fantastic part is when you update just a single piece, that graph understands what it has to build. So yeah. it really reduces that build time down too. So mm -hmm. it's yep. fun. Cool. Really good. Okay, you did see my. So um, we announced a spelt hackathon, and if you scroll down a little bit, you might see someone on there sponsored by. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but we're doing a hackathon in the spelt community, just trying to get some interest into the community and get some projects out there to show people. Now that spelt kit is 1.0. What <laughs> I was looking at, it, I'm like, that's not right. And then I'm like, oh, they're clever. I got it. It so it started February 17th and it ends April 17th. <laughs> I'm like, that's gonna throw an air. Sorry, you should have a red underline, you know, yeah. on that. Where and the, when you hover it, it says, This is intentional. Yes. <laughs> You're like, we get oh. it. I got an error like that the other day. It says, This is an intentional error. I'm like, What does that mean? <laughs> this is an assertion. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nice. I might have to sign up for this. Absolutely. I'm not able to, so you should. <laughs> I'm an ambassador, so I'm I'm not allowed oh, to sign up for it. We're excluding excluding ourselves from the stack blitz probably can't either. Sorry, folks. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna try to uh share this other tool. So this tool is called Sloth. And I've got a it's it's in a different you screen. You gotta share your other screen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So 
I hope this works. So Sloth, um, it's a native Mac app that shows all of your open files and directories. And for me, what the, the biggest thing is sockets that are open. So I'm always like LSOF and like doing all that, trying to search command line wise. This is really nice uh, to be able to bring up all of the like the different sockets that are actually open. And I've found things in here that are creepy as heck, <laughs> put it differently, and uh, dug into some of it. So. Um, I would highly suggest this, especially if you're trying to like understand why is Google Chrome, so, you know, executing so is much. Is this like so the Windows things. Inspector for Mac? I feel like it's really <laughs> close to that. Uh, so, so Mac has an activities okay. uh, activity monitor like this. This does not do everything that. Um, that's mm. lot so gotcha. it's pretty wild. I just picked it up the other day because uh, <laughs> I've been running disc uh, Discord. I've been running um, Docker a ton, and because my Mac allows like 128 gigs of RAM, all of a sudden like something gets slow, it really freaks me out, and it's usually that. And so I start to hunt it down and see what ports are open and all that fun stuff. So, anyways, Sloth, check it out if you're on Mac. <laughs> Um, thanks so much, Eric. I really appreciate it, especially the speediness of hopping on the, the thread on Twitter and jumping on the podcast right away just to talk about web containers. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's great to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. Been a huge, huge fan of Stack Blitz for many years, so keep keep up the great work. I hope uh, all the funding and fun stuff from the CEO side stays, uh, stays valid and good. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Absolutely. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Later. Sounds good.